This episode is brought to you in part by Thomas Nelson, publisher of The Overcomers, God's Vision for You to Thrive in an Age of Anxiety and Outrage, written and narrated by pastor and best-selling author Matt Chandler, and is available everywhere audiobooks are sold. Welcome back to Once Upon a Time in Wakanda. I'm Tyler. I'm Bo. I'm Aaron. Season two is here. We've already kicked it off with episode one, talking about everyone's pre-Thanos peak Marvel villain, Mm. Killmonger. And yes, I am just saying everything's pre-Thanos, post-Thanos. That's just how it is. We talked about Eric Stevens, Killmonger in the previous episode. And at the end, we had this question. Bo and I kind of had this back and forth where we said... Maybe there's a way we can bridge Killmonger and T'Challa. I feel like I'm part Killmonger, part T'Challa. But not Aaron. Aaron's like, I'm all Killmonger. Aaron's all like, Killmonger I'm full Killmonger. Killmonger. On the Killmonger, Killmonger party. Killmonger's going to make Wakanda great again. I will, <laughs> whoa, whoa. I will say, though, Aaron's beard is killing uh, Killmonger. So Aaron's beard is killing everybody. Yes. Baku, Killmonger, T'Challa, me. You know, so. I, you know what your beard, actually, the beard is very, this is like completely off topic, but uh, God of War, have you seen the latest God of War? Yes, absolutely. Very yeah, God you, of War. You got a God yeah, of War beard going on okay, right okay. now. Okay, okay. So- in answering to that question, Killmonger and T'Challa, is there a bridge between them? Bo mentioned Nakia. Now, Nakia is kind of a very interesting wild card character because it's easy for her in all the cadre of characters in Black Panther to kind of miss her. She's kind of like in between everything. She's in the midst of everything. She's at the beginning of the movie. She's in key points of the movie. She seems to always be at the right place at the right time, so which is kind of interesting. Um, but at the same time, she's very pivotal in pushing forward this conversation between Killmonger, T'Challa, kind of being somewhat of a voice of reason. And part of that is because we open the film with a scene after we get the, the classic you know, opening, we're in Oakland. After all of that, we open and our introduction to T'Challa is... He's going in for a quote unquote mission to extract her as a war dog assassin, to extract her from an embedded mission, an an undercover mission that she's in. And then we get the iconic line from Okoye, don't freeze when you see her. And then T'Challa is like, I never freeze, (laughs) (laughs) which is still such a great line, you know, it's still. And then that opening when you have they they have I don't know what that is, but they have the little simulation of the the cars moving and then it just comes up like it's a cartoon. I'm like, yo, this is kind of crazy. They can pick it up. It's like, yo, this Wakanda tech is nuts. (laughs) So he sees Nakia and of course he freezes and we see that Nakia is Lupita Nyong'o. What do y'all think about the casting of Lupita Nyong'o as Nakia? It's interesting because, yeah, Lupita in this movie, excellent. If you had told me who she was playing, like like knowing who she was playing going in was almost kind of like a tip off that they're going to make this character their own. Because there's no way you get this actress to play this character if you know the character from the source material. 
Yeah. 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 We're going to talk about that in a minute because I think a lot of people are unaware of the turn that she takes in the source material. And I'm kind of hoping it really happens in the, in the movies, but we'll get to that in a minute. But Lupita <laughs> Nyong'o, Aaron. I thought it was genius, man. I thought it was genius. And um, what I didn't anticipate uh, and, and what I thoroughly enjoyed was the chemistry that Lupita yes. and Chadwick Boseman had on camera, man. It was, it was very real mm-hmm. and so believable. Like you, you know that we, ha- we've had these iconic pairings on the big screen that where there was so much chemistry and it was so believable that we would like almost think that they were couples like outside of it. Like that you're trying to read stuff into it. Like, oh, they just took a picture together. I think they're holding hands. They, 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 they must be a couple. Well, I, mean, I mean, I don't I mean, want to break, no. I don't want to break something on air. You know, I don't want to break it live. I'm just saying <laughs> sources tell me, nah, I'm kidding, but mm. you're right though. There's that, there's that connection, especially in that scene when they're walking through Wakanda, like on the ground. Right. And then you see the Dormelage trailing them, you know, guarding the King. And they're just having this playful banner back and forth you make a great king i I would make a great if i wanted to if i you know it was just that that back and forth and she's always pressing the argument but before we get into that bo talk a little bit about the source material and why it's significant for nakia to be the love interest of t'challa in this in this movie versus her comic arc okay i feel like i'm about to break some hearts right now like, like, go know, ahead. We, yeah, we, we talk, that's what we do here. We talked last season about Umbaku and kind of the art of the re- redemptive retcon. Uh, and while not quite as extreme as Umbaku, what they did with Nakia's character was really quite something because they they very much made her something very different than who she is in the comics. In the comics, she is actually a member of the Dora Milaje, mm-hmm. whereas in the movie, obviously she's not. In fact, when given the opportunity to wear the armor, she goes so far as to point out specifically, I am not Dora Milaje. Right. Not that she's mm-hmm. you know negating that or saying that's bad. She's just right, you know stating it very clearly. That is just not who she is. Uh, in the comics, at a very young age, she was brought in uh, as a Dora Milaje. Uh, of course, as we've already discussed last season, the Dora Milaje and the comics are kind of created as essentially, you know, brides to be of the Black Panther. Mm-hmm. Um, and even though T'Challa kind of changed that mindset during his rule in the comics, that it's still part of the structure of what that organization was meant to be. And for Nakia specifically, um, she started to develop very strong feelings for him. In fact, maybe some very unhealthy feelings for mm-hmm. him. This was actually taken to an extreme where uh, T'Challa was actually brainwashed by the character Mephisto into believing that Nakia was his, at the time, I believe, fiance, but yeah, definitely fiance. fiance. Mm-hmm. Okay. Uh, and, and, and so then actually kisses her. And this takes this kind of girl crush, you know, childhood crush that it's she has all the Get way that king up to kiss. It's level. a wrap, homie. And so now she has become obsessed with T'Challa and she finds other means to try to have this kind of physical contact with them at every stage in the game. But ultimately, he rejects her and she can't deal with the loss of, you know, him not, you know, reciprocating her emotions. And it drives her literally crazy. Mm-hmm. Um, she becomes the character known as Malice, mm-hmm. uh, a villain who is driven by her love and obsession with T'Challa. And 
not at all what the character is from the big screen. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> you know, in fact, very specifically the opposite of, yes. of yep. who uh, Nakia is in the movie. You know, it's interesting kind of T'Challa's love interest in the comics and kind of how I'd love to see that play out in kind of a, a popular on the big screen because everyone assumes that Storm and T'Challa are like true loves. No. And in reality, Monica. that is, yo, that is not true. Like Monica Lynn is like true, 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 like love. Like I would say she's been with him for so long. Like he saved her. She saved him. Like it's a, it's a better, but it just sounds good for people. I, I, I always cringe and it makes me like itch whenever people are like, Oh, I want to see Storm and T'Challa. So if we see Storm and T'Challa, I'm like, they ain't really like, like that. <laughs> like it's kind of an arranged situation. Like, it ain't really they ain't it really was strategic. like in love. Yeah, it's very strategic. They're not really like actually in love. And so Nakia turns. And so the question that we asked even before the recording, and we're not even gonna wait till the end to speculate this, but are we gonna see this? Are we gonna see this turn? Are we gonna see this shift in the big screen? And I say, absolutely. You have to. Mm. There has to be some sort of shift. There has to be taking this care. And I believe that Lupita. The fact that she's so likable, it's going to make things very interesting for T'Challa because she's going to she's gonna be a character that people root for. She's going to be a character that people are like, oh, well, he did her wrong. Like, it was something bad. Like, come on. Like, this is this is something that, like, she, even even the ways in which he hasn't really fully committed to her, like, or... Like, why, why haven't they been together before? Like, why haven't they been together? Like, what separated them? Is it, is it her? Is it him? Like, what's going on here? I got the sense from the way they interacted, like they had something in the past that yeah. didn't work out. I kind of felt like it wasn't that he wasn't fully committed. It, it almost seemed like she was reluctant to have all of her identity wrapped up in Ooh, her relationship good. Good, with him. Which again, totally stark opposite to yep. the <laughs> You know what I'm saying? Yeah. You know, like, cause, cause I, I didn't know, I didn't know how they would portray her. Mm. Right. And so you see her sitting there, um, you know, in, in, in that five ton, you know, with the rest of those people who had been taken captive and, and I'm like, man, what's, what's going to happen? And then it turns out like, oh man, I mean, she's, you know, she's an accomplished warrior and agent in her own right. And, and she, at first she isn't like, oh, I'm so glad you're here. She's like, I was in the middle of something. Like right. I, I had something going on and, mm-hmm. and, and you interrupted it. So busting up a human trafficking ring. Yeah, mm-hmm. exactly. So it, it's going to be, it's going to be interesting because I think that. Because of where they left off, which seemed like a really good place, right? And because of the deviation from the source material, then the thing that causes them to split, which I would love to see Lapita play uh, Malice. I would love to see that. Even if for a limited sense, like she's brainwashed, you know, and then that it leads to that. That would be amazing. Exactly. Wait, I I need to understand something, Tyler. So you're saying, because if if I'm following you, Aaron, you're saying that you would love to see her kind of, uh, her flip or her to to be opposed to to T'Challa because of her um, kind of moral moral standings of how Wakanda yes. should should enact yeah, the rest based of the world. on what they've done thus far. Right. I'm saying that it's gonna that that's that's probably what's gonna it's gonna be I- ideology that fractures their relationship. Right. Whereas Tyler, you actually want her to be the 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 lovesick high schooler. No, I want her to be a villain. But like, but but how? 
Like it doesn't really matter to me, but I don't. I think the ideology thing. We'll get into the ideology. I think you said brainwashed just now. No, what I'm saying is, I feel like even I want to see her play that character to see how that would affect T'Challa, because I think T'Challa. We have put T'Challa through so much that now to the point that brothers died like five times in like half a movie. (laughs) Now I'm just like, yo, you you killed his father. You had to watch his father die in front of him. Mm. You know, he's he's fading away. Just, just give it, give it everything. Like, just go all the way. Like, he, his love interest turns on him. He got to fight her, or she kills his mom, or something like that. No, let's oh, just go. Why let's would just, you even say that? Don't, don't say that. But see, what I'm saying is, let's just go all the way because you, we're making T'Challa face everything. Interesting. And I'm just saying, hey, let's just let's keep going. I, I feel like it would add depth to his character, and I feel like the tension between, man, I love this woman. But then she betrayed me and, oh, but was it really, it wasn't me. Well, can, how can you get over that? And mm. then eventually he just rejects her because I can't get over what you did. I can't get over oh, the fact that you betrayed. It doesn't okay. matter if you were brainwashed or not. Like, I feel like that's good tension in the storyline to be like, come on, man, you can see past that or no, nah, he's actually got a point. So to me, I don't really care how it happens. I just want to see that tension. And I think Lupita would play a very good villain. No he, doubt. I yeah. think she would be a good villain. It it would have to be like, all right, so her becoming a villain, it's it's hard to see that shift happening all at once sure. because they do establish her as kind of, you know, between her and Shuri. Yeah. And I was about to say Okoye, but not even Okoye because she ends up obviously siding temporarily with Killmonger. But like in terms of like belief structure of kind of driving force, like she is one of, if not the most heroic characters in the entire film. She doesn't have enough time to really kind of, you know, be anything other than that. Cause mm-hmm. she, she kind of steps in and, and she kind of presents an argument and it's a pretty solid argument. It, it to some extent, it kind of takes a lot of, you know, the, the, you know, T'Challa and, uh, Killmonger and even Mbaku, or, um, uh, not Mbaku, but, uh, Wakabi, like, like mm-hmm. bringing in a lot of these kind of, different thoughts right. that are surrounding as uh, 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 T'Challa as he's trying to figure out what his, what his rules are going to be. And it seems like hers is kind of the perfect blend, but you disagree, Tyler. You, you don't think, you don't think she knows what she's talking about. I, I'm going to get to that at the end. Uh huh. I'm going to get to that at the end. I want to save that because I've been hearing too much noise about, about this. I'm, I'm a, we're going to talk about this. I want to talk about one thing before then, and that's, I feel like there's tension between Nakia and the Dormelage. I feel like there's a heavy tension between them. And I think it is expressed in, in the back and forth with the Koye. And I think it came out. Cause she's a war dog. Yeah. And because, and because she's, she does, she's not committed to anything. That's what Okoye said. What are you committed to? It just comes out. It just yeah. She Whoa. lashes out, and it's this yeah, deep, it's this good, deep undercurrent. Bro. I feel like she is at odds, and I feel like there, you know, she's a, a plus. Pick pick up on this, if I'm not mistaken. She is the tribal representative of the merchant tribe. 
the River Tribe specifically. Is it, is it the River Tribe? She's, Are you yeah, sure? Hundred percent. And it, it's actually, I believe that she's the daughter of the dude with the um with the disc. I thought he was Merchant. Who's who's the Merchant? Merchant tribe? is the lady with large uh, um earrings, the gold earrings. But see, the brother has a good suit. He got it from the he, Merchant uh, Tribe. Got, I'm sure he got it from the Merchant Tribe. <laughs> but yeah, what I'm true. saying is, if you think about it, if she's able to be tribal representative of any of the tribes. And she's able to be a war dog and she has T'Challa's heart and his ear and she's able to step in and out and she's able to to step away from the it's like, man, how would you feel as a member of the Dormelage that this woman can just go off and do whatever? And I've got to stand at attention whenever Okoye taps mm. twice. OK, well, here's the thing, though, because, you know, we, we talked about uh, even I think last episode a little bit about kind of the various military aspects of Wakanda. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, you've got the border tribe and they've got kind of their uh, their role in defending Wakanda. And then you've also got the Dormelage, which exists mm-hmm. specifically as the king, uh, you know, the king's guard. But then you do have the war dogs that exist separately. I mean, Aaron, I'm kind of curious, like from from a military standpoint, is there kind of this tension between, I guess, groups within the military? You might even have to unpack the various groups of how that might <laughs> I wish y'all could it. see his face. He's like, oh, <laughs> that's like you open a can of listen, worms listen, right listen. now. Absolutely. There is a difference. And, and, um, and it's not just competitive, right? So, mm-hmm. so for instance, if, um, if you were, to, if you were to ask a Marine, you know, like what's, what's, what's your overall purpose and goal? Like, how do you see yourself? And, and so, uh, I, I think a, a Marine would say, we are elite. We don't have, we don't have like a, a force and then we have elites within. Mm. We are elite. Each and every one of us are elite, right? And not only that, we exist for the purpose of projecting power and, and for the purpose of taking and conquest, right? And so, well, what, what about the army? Well, you know, I mean, they have some, some elites with them, but they mm-hmm. exist more to just kind of occupy, just kind of, <laughs> just kind of hold down what's there, you know, like, uh, and so, you know, they kind of come in after we've done the brunt of, of the work, after we've been at the tip of the spear. I mean, that's the kind of stuff you would hear, right? Mm-hmm. And so when you have those differences of philosophy that exist, and especially if we're applying that to the war dogs, Dora Malaje, you know, and, and, and the tribes, like specifically, uh, the border tribe and what they do in times of great crisis, then those differences are are magnified, mm. right? And so mm. if we're applying that to Wakanda, what has just happened in Wakanda? Because if we're we're dealing with the sequel, we're talking about in the aftermath of Infinity War, where we see we're introduced to Wakanda and we're like, whoa, this is amazing. This is awesome. Mm-hmm. And it looks like a place um uh, as you're introduced in the movie that has been relatively untouched by catastrophe and by hardship, right? Uh and so, but now you know, it's, it's, it's a place that's going to be kind of picking up the pieces. And so mm-hmm. w- when you're dealing with situations like that, then huh. yeah, that's, that's interesting. Like never hit by catastrophe. You know, I, so that makes me think about infinity war and how I believe it's M'Baku who says this will be the end of Wakanda. And like, you know, the fact that they're being challenged in a way that they've never been challenged before because they have always sat so far advanced. I was thinking about actually this of uh, this morning on the way over here, like, you get the Guardians of the Galaxy and their first mm-hmm. interaction with Earth is Wakanda. 
they're going to have a really kind of weird, like they're, they're going to think earth is something that it's not. Yeah. Because the reality <laughs> is, is that Wakanda is like the technology, the, the civilization is very much more in line with what we've seen with the guardians as you go to these advanced planets. But the reality is like, no, that's, that's just this one little pocket. The rest of the earth mm-hmm. is actually far behind the rest of the universe. Mm-hmm. Wakanda is actually with the rest of the universe. Right. The rest of us. Well, it was just so Groot and Rocket. So that, that is one thing. That's that, true. I guess I was thinking of like, yeah. what if Peter Quill actually, if I was right. wondering whether or not he would actually <laughs> Come to Wakanda, <laughs> Missouri, and then Wakanda. Right? <laughs> like, it's like, wait a minute. Like, <laughs> let me ask you this though, because one of the things that Nakia is passionate about is opening up Wakanda, right, for the benefit of the rest of the world, yeah. right? Well, okay, we just gonna go here now. Then yeah, oh, right. I'm sorry, I didn't know we were. Know, this is, you this know, is you the know what I'm saying? So right, we want to open, we want to open it up, right? So if we're talking about potential points of fracture and conflict, if that's going to happen, if that's going to be the trajectory mm. for Nakia's character, uh, for for she and T'Challa to become uh, enemies, to, you know, then that misunderstanding. That, that, that seed of separation, if you will, could be that. You see what happens mm. when we open up? You see, you, you, you know and what I'm saying? Where was Nakia in Infinity War? Ooh. Hey, she's a war dog, man. She's, she's, she's not. No, 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 no. Don't, don't, I don't think she's doing war dog stuff. I think she's doing the cultural exchange. Remember, she's the, she's, I think she's doing cultural exchange stuff. Sure, he was in charge of cultural exchange and she was at Wakanda. Nah, it was specifically science for, yeah, for Shuri. But I think and, there's, there's, oh, there's oh, other, yeah, right, there's other right. stuff that's going on that Nakia is over. I think Nakia is doing other sort of exchange humanitarian. stuff. Humanitarian. Humanitarian, what have you. I think that's what she's doing. Hmm. And, and it's funny because our king dies, half our people are gone. We got invaded by people we can't beat. And you, where were you? Yeah. You were the one who did. You were the one who said we should open up our, our borders. And here you're gone when we get ransacked. I mean, and Wakanda's done. It, it, it's Thanos. Like literally half the universe died. But that's the point, though. <laughs> but that's the point, though. But the focus that of the didn't battle ha- itself. Did that have to happen to... Wakanda. It didn't have to be fought right there. It didn't. And I'm telling you, man, I, I I believe that Nakia is the most virtuous character. I do believe that. I think she has high integrity, but I think we're overrating the virtue element and we're underrating the fact that this is what happens when you open the doors for colonizers. Hmm. This is what happens. I this mean, is what everybody's been saying. Nakia this is what everyone's been saying. Nakia didn't bring in Bucky. You know no, what I mean? Like, but you could make a very strong no, no. argument considering her influence on T'Challa, right? They, they included sure. those scenes where even in their kind of their, their banter back and forth, you see the differences between their, their views and some of the things that she wants to see happen and even her influence on him. And so you could make, a strong argument that even some of the decisions that he makes, even in the end, like at the end of the movie, she has a great deal to do with that. Mm-hmm. And, and so this could turn out to be something that, that fosters a great deal of resentment within T'Challa yeah. towards her. Uh, well, here's what I'll say. Like, I don't think, I don't think that Wakanda's policy is necessarily anti-immigrant. Wakanda's policy is cautious it's extremely cautious. Now, there are certain people that would be anti-immigrant, like Wakabi, right? You bring the immigrants in, they bring their problems. That's very anti-immigrant. Yeah. But I think, especially you mentioned Bucky, within the right circumstances, if there's a need, 
yeah, of course we'll help. Like we'll help someone who needs exile. Like we we help someone who who has been wrongfully accused. Like we'll help someone. And I think they would help, but the way Nakia was setting it up, it was like this. It it seemed very like a radical, open door. Like just come on in. And again, we're speaking within the context of the fictional universe. Yes, knowing what, knowing who was ready to exploit that. I felt like she, I feel like she doesn't think about what happens after that. Like what happens next? How do we do it? And if you were, if you're going to, if you're going to advocate it for it, you need to lead it. Like you need to stay in Wakanda and you need to figure it out. Now that might've been a tactical mis mistake by T'Challa, but I'm saying you need to stay in Wakanda and you say, okay, you want to do this? I authorize you to do this, but you lead it. Because you're the person who said it, and now I'm dead again. I can guarantee you, T'Challa's an ancestral plane. Like, come on, fam. Like, how many times I'm going to die? <laughs> well, he, I don't think he's there, but 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 that's a whole right, other right. conversation. We'll talk about that in another episode. I don't think it's fair to to point to Infinity War because you've made this comparison. Uh, you made this comparison in our Infinity War review right. as well um, about kind of this being kind of the direct answer to you know to to how Black Panther ended and specifically to T'Challa going to the nations opening up and yada, yada, yada. The thing is everything that happened in infinity war would have happened without Black Panther because it's in direct relation to what happened within civil war. Like Bucky is not there because Nakia or because of any argument. Bucky is there because T'Challa screwed up. And he sees like Bucky as his responsibility, right? Like, in fact, that you could even make the argument that he essentially did the exact reverse of what T'Chaka did in terms of like, uh, you know, like, oh, we're just going to, you know, I'm not going to bring anything outside of Wakanda into Wakanda. It's just out here. And even though this is my screw up, I'm going to leave it out here on the outskirts. Whereas T'Challa was like, no, I, I screwed up. I chased this guy all over and and he's broken. And, you know, I, we'll, we'll, we'll take him in. We'll see if we can fix him. And from that standpoint, that's what established that relationship between him and Cap. I mean, you know, Wakanda opening up his borders. Cap was there. He was in Wakanda at the end of uh, Civil War. So that, mm-hmm. that that was, I did not perceive that to be after uh, Black Panther. In fact, we know it wasn't because we actually got a chance right. to see Bucky at the, um, uh, at the post-credit at the scenes. Mm-hmm. So from that standpoint, and on top of that, Infinity War is such a uniquely non-earthly conflict. Like it is sure. so outside the scope. Like, Wakanda doesn't represent a a nation at that point. It represents Earth at that point. You know what I mean? Like it is literally, hmm. uh, you know, you had the like a brief battle in New York, and then you had like the all out like war invasion on Wakanda. And so we gonna die for the Earth? No, no. I, yes, and I, <laughs> by the way, I wrote a great article on that. You uh, did, indeed. <laughs> yes, you did. Excellent. Uh, but specifically, like, I don't disagree with where the argument leads like what you're saying. Mm-hmm. I just don't think we've actually seen that play out yet. I do think that there will be kind of the repercussions for opening up Wakanda. I don't think infinity war was it though. So I think what we're talking about here is the tension between Okoye and Nakia's statements. So Okoye says, I serve my country. Nakia says, no, I save my country. And it's, it's very, it's, it's in that context, it was related to something different, but seeing that tension between the two, of Okoye saying, I will uphold the noble traditions of Wakanda. And Nakia saying, when the traditions are wrong, they're wrong. And so we can't, we can't, we can't even uphold the traditions if 
the semantics, it's semantics. And in that particular case, you would sit back and you would say, well, yeah, that makes a lot of sense. At the same time, we're we're having the women kind of fight this out after T'Challa didn't have to accept the ritual combat. But we talked about that in season one. Go back to the last episode of season one and you'll (laughs) see what I think about T'Challa foolishly accepting ritual combat when he didn't have to. But anyway, so I think it's that tension. I serve my country. I save my country. What do I do in, in that scenario? Do I protect the traditions? And then Nakia is saying there's so much more in the world. There's so much more in the world for us to experience and we can help. We have responsibility because we have higher tech, because we have more advanced weaponry, because we have um, just more advanced technology. Come on, like we can do this. I think there is a burden. I think it's, it's, it's a microcosm of the black experience in this sense. There is a burden on black people to be more noble than the rest of the world, to be the, the leaders of nobility without definition. So here's what we're asking. We're asking, people ask us to, oh, well, you need to forgive. Like, come on, open open up. It's unity. It's reconciliation. It's this, it's that. And you just kind of sit back and you're like, nobility is right. Virtue is right. Integrity is right. And we should never drop those even situationally. But the problem is they want us to have this without definition, without defining what that means. What does this actually mean for us? And I think there's this burden that Nakia kind of symbolizes that in some ways I think it's, it's just a little bit foolish. It's this idea that, oh, we just need to do the right thing. We can do it better. And it's like, no, think about, don't just think about the fascination of bringing in the outside world. Think about your country and think about your country lasting for generations beyond you. And think about preserving what is good within your country while challenging what needs to be challenged, mm-hmm. while challenging what needs to be pushed. And I feel like she was only, man, bring them in. Come on. That was not, outside no, stuff. No, no, no. I, I did not get that from her character whatsoever. I did because every time she's talking to T'Challa, that's what she's talking about. To me, she came across as extremely idealistic. Like what? Exactly. Like that's what I, that's what I would say. I, I just fall in that line. But go ahead. Perhaps it actually would would do good to kind of dive into what it means that she's a war dog. Okay, you know I don't think that we've ever actually like kind of dealt with that. But oh, that's good. What what war dogs essentially are in Wakanda is essentially the agents outside of Wakanda. So you know mm-hmm. we talk specifically about how it's kind of closed off from the rest of the world, and while that is true, it's also kind of not because you have these kind of agents that go out and are interacting with the world. You know even. You know, I, I actually thought about the fact that, and I still haven't really racked my brain around this, but the merchant tribe, how does the merchant tribe have so much stuff from outside of Wakanda? Like, how does that actually get in? <laughs> yeah, and I was like, that's do, true. do the war dogs bring it in? That, that seems true. It might be. I don't know. But but the, good point. the reality is, so as part of this kind of elite group, uh, you know, elite task force that goes out and does good in the world, she is almost arguing for the justification of her position. Right. Like when there are so many people in Wakanda that want to pull back, she's like, no, we're out here. We're doing this. We're, we're, when you pulled me in to come to the funeral or to come to the, uh, the ceremony, like it was specifically because, you know, what, what was I doing? I was disrupting a human trafficking ring. Mm-hmm. And we were in, you know, we were doing this as Wakandans with, uh, with, with ability, with, with technology, with privilege and using that to serve. Like, as opposed to somebody like Killmonger that wants to use the ability to, you know, to, to dominate, Mm -hmm. you know, she kind of sees it as the same, like, well, if when given 
when given this privilege, it's better to use this to serve. To that point, there is a quote that she mentions to T'Challa. She says, I've seen too many in need just to turn a blind eye. I can't be happy here knowing that there's people out there who have nothing. I, I think that's 100% true. And I think that's, that's noble. But, and you have to build on the idealistic part because that's what I feel like it mm. is. How is Nikea idealistic in Wakanda? So it's not simply that Wakanda is just isolationist, right? It's the fact that Wakanda engages the world on its terms and that the, the driving ideal behind their policy is to protect Wakanda. Right. It's almost like it's this, we know what the outside world is. It's not that we don't want to help, but, but in terms of, of, of looking at, um, if, if we, if we, uh, act in this way, what's going to be the reaction, so on and so forth. But then when it's all said and done, it seems like the goal is always to, uh, protect Wakanda at all costs, right? And so it's not, I think that the way that Nakia is portrayed and the reason why I say that she's so idealistic, it's almost like, okay, we, we, we have the resources and we, we can help. We can help. But what I think is neglected is that when, when and if they would insert themselves into the problems of the world, the blowback mm-hmm. that that brings. I think that's what's neglected. Like if we, mm-hmm. if we, if we insert ourselves, like for instance, so a good example would be, uh, disrupting the, the human trafficking thing. And now, again, I'm not arguing that we shouldn't do that. That's not what I'm saying. So, so don't hear what I'm not saying here. But what I am <laughs> right. saying, but what I am. Good, good. Yeah, this good. Is, well, yeah, this is the know. end of what's <laughs> upon a time of man, I was like, brother, the man. entire thing just imploded <laughs> because of Aaron. Um, that's not what I'm, but what I am saying is, when you're disrupting human trafficking, you have to engage the traffickers. You have to engage the perpetrators, right? Right. And so what that does is that there are repercussions to that, right? Mm-hmm. And so sometimes when you start, so if I start a fight, then I have to be prepared for the fact that this may not be an open and closed case, right? right, there, right. there may be, there, there may be levels to it. There may be actions and things that, and so this may end up being prolonged. This may mm-hmm. end up costing us more than we anticipated. Mm-hmm. It's not always as cut and dry as there's a need. We're going to swoop in. We're going to meet the need and then everything is going to be okay. But that's very military. Like, because what, what Aaron sees is, Okay, there's a dictator. We have to go and remove the dictator. There's a terrorist group. We have to go and remove the terrorist group. And if you do that, you have to occupy. And you have to, if you occupy, you have to have a hundred thousand troops. Right, right, and if you right. have a hundred thousand troops, that means some people are gonna die. And it's like, okay, are you thinking oh, about right, all did, this? <laughs> yeah. Exactly. Like are you are you thinking about all of this at the same time as okay, well, this is noble, we must do this. And and it and it kind of gets into maybe that maybe the movie didn't really give us that tactical it can't give us that tactical depth Mm. to see like this is the tension it was a montage of like ideas essentially all of these different like here are a bunch of different characters from wakanda and here's kind of some core things that they're proposing to the king you know like it wasn't like a let's actually dive deep Mm. into any of these philosophies so the question is if if t'challa does come back will nakia become the queen after sherry um what <laughs> i think look he really but we got to talk about this in a speculation episode yeah we'll, we'll say really think we'll say i don't know about that yeah. anyway uh look for that one in the future um i would 
I mean, I think from a fan standpoint, there's like so many shippers out there uh, behind their their whole relationship. Like, I think there's there's a lot of uh, desire to see the two get together. Those two crazy kids. Um, I think that <laughs> I think that uh, <laughs> she she would make. Uh, I think she would make an excellent queen. But I do, you know. All right. So because we got all of these different characters, kind of providing a lot of their philosophy, right? Like. It's easy to criticize her, Wakabi, Killmonger, for like, and Killmonger wasn't an advisor, but just in terms of like these ideologies that they mm-hmm. each embodied or represented, because it's easy in all of these situations to point out the idealistic, like, this is a good point. Here's all the problems with it. This is a good point. Here's all the problems with it. This mm-hmm. is a good point. Here's all the problems with it. To some extent, when you are an advisor to whoever is in power, whoever is the leader, a lot of times you have to kind of make your point and drive to it and even mm-hmm. take a more idealistic approach because you're not the one making the decision because you're trying to influence the one who is making the decision. Now the person who is making the decision is the one that has to kind of discern through that and kind of say like, okay, yes, you make some good points. We're going to do this, but we're not going to go all the way. And like, well, why not? Well, there's reasons why not. Mm-hmm. And as somebody who's taking in more than just this one ideology, I have to be able to kind of like, you know, make make those calls. So that's actually a great point. A good like point. being a number two, having been a number two in an organization and being a number two in an organization, uh-huh. I have to pull and make it almost more extreme because there's such a man, I have to get my point in and I don't I have a limited amount of time and I have to convince you. There it is. So I almost have to go too far mm-hmm. and I know all this won't work, but I've got to kind of pull you as far as I can because I have to get your attention and then I have to give you the full facts so that you can make an informed decision. It seems Hmm. like though, especially with Nakia, she may have that romantic connection with T'Challa is almost Hmm. a skewing of what would be sound advice. And so the question is, did T'Challa actually make the decision ultimately because he felt that it was the best information Mm. and that was it? Or did he make it because it's really good information and I love this woman? Aaron, do you think that he made the decisions he made specifically because of Nakia? I don't think that he made it specifically because of her, but I think that we we shouldn't downplay her influence. Mm-hmm. I think she was definitely an That's influence. Good. And I think that her being happy with it, because it wasn't simply the fact of whether or not she was right or wrong. Right. But the fact that if they were to continue within a, within a relationship and, and his character honoring her, right? Like that, that, that humanitarian passion that, that she had. So it's not that I'm just, yeah, I'm trying to do, if I'm T'Challa, I'm trying to do the right thing and the best thing for Wakanda. But there's also underneath that, um, man, but if I do this as well, this creates a platform for her and she gets to do what she wants to do and she happy. So oh, come on. No, no. Bro, that's, that's human nature, man. Yeah, man. Bro, that's, it's serving the, the country and yourself. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just being real. Like, yeah, yeah. She going to look at me like, bro. But I mean, it's the right thing to do, but yeah. This could be <laughs> dope, though. So two, two things. And I cannot believe, I, 
I feel like I'm more nerdy on this podcast than I ever have been on any other podcast. And I do That's geek. That's what we want. I do exactly. geek podcasts. I'm flash TV talk panel screen. I do geek podcasts. But here y'all are making me go to levels of nerd yes. that I don't normally do. So two things on that level. Uh, one is what you're talking about in terms of like interacting, but not really just very much reminds me of kind of the Star Trek prime directive which is like mm. this idea that like, mm-hmm. oh, we can go to planets and like yes. observe, but yes. we can't get involved because if we get involved, we end up creating all these unique problems. But then they end up doing it and then, you know. They always do it. <laughs> right. Because I mean, like at the end of the day, you know, you see something, you see a situation going south and you feel like you have to, you know, you have to be in order to live with yourself. If you've got the ability to go in and, and you know, save the day, then how, how, where do you, where do you walk the line? I feel like that's what the war dogs represent to some extent is they figure out how to walk the line. So mm-hmm. she can take a little bit more of an idealistic approach because she's lived that more idealistic approach. The other thing in terms of her potentially becoming a villain, again, kind of uh, last episode made a Warcraft reference. I'm about to do it again. Yes. There's this character of Jaina Proudmore uh, from the Warcraft universe. And she's like this, she's this mage. She's a, a, a magician. And uh, when you meet her early on in the franchise, she's very young, she's very naive, incredibly talented. And, um, you know, she ends up, uh, you know, befriending a lot of her enemies, a lot of, you know, she she discovers that this, you know, orcish horde that's coming in to destroy the land is actually, uh, they're, they're kind of displaced from their home world and they're mm-hmm. trying to kind of find their way. And so got to hear both sides. Man. So she, she hears where they're coming from and <laughs> she ends up, uh, uh, befriending them, even betraying her own father, uh, leading to his death in order to make sure they have a place in this world. Bruh. She even establishes, uh, her, her entire city uh, on their, on their land. So it's kind of, as this kind of peace cohabitation type deal. She's always pressing for peace when the world is pushing towards war up until the rise of this particular orc leader uh, known as Hellscream, Garash Hellscream, mm. who then rises up his people and absolutely decimates her city wow. and her because they're such an easy target. And he's trying to rally around, you know, all of these, uh, all of these, these characters to kind of create this war force that'll go and wipe out humanity. And so, and she's such an easy target because she's been mm. pushing for this kind of, you know, uh, outreach and being involved in everything else. And, as the sole survivor of her city with like the literal ashes of her people, like in her hands, it pushes her to a dark place. And like, she does a complete 180 mm. that based on her character, you know, her character journey, you totally see it. So I could theoretically Man. see Nakia in the next movie going even stronger into this kind of ideological mindset, mm-hmm. pushing more and more. And perhaps even at the end of the film being put in a position that ends up switching it. Uh, where she ends up losing those close to her, maybe her father. Uh, maybe wow. we actually see her rise to the leader of her tribe. You know, we didn't, we talked about this. We didn't get enough yeah. lore beyond the border tribe. We really didn't get a lot of uh, lore about, uh, you know, some of these other tribes and the Jabari tribe as well and Black Panther tribe, but, you know, Merchant, River, like, I, I want to see what's going on. Mining, like, there could be a lot of aspects of that, which, you know, in conclusion, she ends up losing her family mm. uh, because of her decisions, because she was a little bit more naive, perhaps. And on top of that, now she has power in a tribe. Now she sits at the exact same level of an Umbaku or a right. T'Challa without being kind of the, the head chief. So I don't know. I could I that's could definitely really see good. her being yeah, in that's that really role. good. Yeah, I think, um, you know, on a flip side. One of the things I think we, if we're if we're being charitable to Nakia, we can give her credit because what she's really pushing Wakanda to be is what America thinks it is. Ooh, ooh. Like so, she's Ooh. 
She's saying Steve Rogers. <laughs> she's saying, no, we can be the superior country in the world. Mm. Like we can do it better than America. We can be better than America. We are better than America. And in a in a sense, if you're viewing it charitably, she kind of takes the responsibility that Wakanda is the premier nation in the world to its fullest extent, which is, you know, we should probably help other people. Yeah. And we should probably help those who are in need because we have the capability, we have the infrastructure, we have the technology, and we have the integrity to actually make that happen. Um, I'd be very curious to see after Infinity War if she shifts. I, I agree with I, that. I, I'm, I'd just be very curious just to hear if she shifts because she's not going to, don't, I don't perceive she comes back to the greatest reception. In Wakanda, yeah. I don't perceive that she comes back to the greatest uh, applause. I, I, agree I don't think that. people are going to be like, yay, Nakia, even if everything is reversed. Because even if everything is reversed, what, what Wakanda is dealing with right now is a loss of control. Normally, they can control all their conflicts. There is no control as to whether or not T'Challa or any of their people ever come back. And even the ones, even if they bring back the people who have disappeared, they've still lost a massive part of their force from the invaders. The invaders have killed people that weren't, didn't disappear. They've just killed people. Right. And so now they, even if everything is reversed, they're like, we lost control and we can't lose control. And so I'm very curious to see if she at least admits in some sense, this wasn't what I intended it wasn't my plan. I didn't know this was going to happen. I think it would be a good move because I, I think if she doubles down, then I think you get what I hope you get, which is Nakia versus Okoye in Black Panther 2. But, Whoa. you know, hmm. I hope I hope we kind of see that. We'll see. We'll see what happens. I won't. I, I wouldn't presume too much in terms of what the fallout. Infinity War 2, a.k.a. Avengers 4, a.k.a. Avengers not in game. <laughs> like it's, it's Avengers assembled, AKA Avengers disassembled, not, but whatever, you know, one thing's for sure. I mean, I think one thing is sure. for sure. Yeah, you're right. Nothing is for sure. Well, I guess that's my point though, right? Like we don't know that by the time of black Panther two, that the events of infinity war will still be like canonical. If you're fine, like, like yeah. it's very possible that it may be. Undone. If they do that, I'm going to be, I'm gonna be so mad if they do that. Wait, but you know, you know that you you can't you can't just completely erase it. You can't erase it. Yeah. I, I mean, I I think I they're not gonna it's fully an erase. It's an annual, but you can't erase it. No, but like you know, you know, Black Panther's coming back, and yeah, along with what, him, half, the other half of the universe. Like they're but all at what cost though. That's what I say. At what cost? I think the cost is going to be an emotional one, not necessarily a like. It's going to be a like a mini miniature not miniaturized, not macro. Like it's going to be very much like a like it'll be the cost of the original six Avengers. It won't be like the planet. It won't be like you know society. It won't be like half the universe. I don't. I don't. Think right, so. but I th- I think Wakanda Wakanda's people have still died on the battlefield defending the universe. Okay. Yeah. 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 I see what and you're so, saying. Pre snap. So yeah. So yeah, I, I think pre snap. I got you. We still gonna have some massive issues because think about it. If some of the people who disappeared had already died, they come back and there's dead bodies on the ground. Mm. Dead bodies on the ground in Wakanda. Yay, our king's back. Oh, that's that's deflating, man. Mm-hmm. Like I'm just very curious as to how that's gonna play itself out. 
and and I'm also curious to see if if Nakia will will remain a war dog. Will she remain a war dog? Will she come back? Is there like these are the things that her 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 character has to decide that will really set the arc for her character. And and I'm trying to figure is it best for Black Panther if they kind of play up on this love interest or is it best for Black Panther if they make her turn? It's there, man. The ships, you got to get the shippers what they want. <laughs> so it's Nakia the hero, is that what we saying? I think she is a hero at this point. Is she? No, you said she was the heroic, the hero. <laughs> oh, no, no, no. Yeah, 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 yeah. In I, that sense. Is, well, from, all right, sorry. So is is she the hero of Black Panther, the the first film? Yeah. Is she, is she in kind of that uh, morally righteous position? Yeah, but mostly because she, again, <sighs> she wasn't get like part of that dude. Again, she wasn't given the screen time that a lot of the other characters sure. were. No, that's very so true. all we got is her ideological uh, views, which apart from extreme criticism, stand as ideological views. Like you know what I mean? Like so to to some extent, yeah, she does represent. I I believe kind of the more uh, heroic mind minded of the characters presented. Hmm. But you know, given more time, maybe not the case. Right. Hopefully, yeah. she'll get a lot more time in the next movie. Aaron, yeah, is she absolutely. the hero? She's a hero, <laughs> but she's not the hero. Oh, okay. Who's the We're hero about us? Of the first movie? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I was like, it's the way he looked at me, I was like, no, 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 no. <laughs> I know where this is going. <laughs> oh, that's hilarious. Yeah, I, I, I think she was noble and virtuous and heroic yeah but i think she opened the door i think she opened the door and i say a hero because she was so pivotal you know she was a pivotal character even without the you know as much screen time as the others but Mm. definitely pivotal key moments and i think it's also you know the the buck stops with the leader you know everything rises and falls falls on leadership so T'Challa has to has to probably shoulder this blame ultimately more than anyone else. So I'll hail the queen. Maybe we'll see. Black Panther two. We'll see. This episode was brought to you in part by the Lord of Spirits podcast. Many Christians yearn to break free of the influence of secular materialism and to understand the union of the seen and unseen worlds as made by God. What is the spiritual world like? Tune in wherever you get your podcasts.